You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What's up, Houdan Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints Podcast. It's your host, Chris Rosvoglu. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Rosvoglu Report. Follow me on Facebook at Straight Up Saints and on Instagram at Saints underscore Straight Up. Also, if you haven't already and you do enjoy the podcast, make sure to head over to iTunes, leave a thumbs up, leave five stars, and leave a review if you want. Let me know what you like, what you don't like. Give me some critique, give me some compliments, whatever you guys want to do. It's all up to you uh, if you go on iTunes to check that out. Uh, so for this episode, it's not going to be much content coming out of my mouth, but from former Saints fullback Jed Collins, who obviously we know was a member of that great 2011 Saints team uh, that really put on one of the best offenses we've ever seen, and Jed's actually going to talk about that and whether or not he thinks it's the greatest either of this generation or either of all time, so we'll talk about that, but he's also going to talk about his transition to the finance world, and the real reason why I really want to have Jed on uh, and talk to him is because the NFL's entering a real weird state of unknown uncertainty because of COVID-19. And the reason I say that is we have players opting out and these players are opting out and they're getting $150,000 as a cash advance from next year's contract. So you have players like CJ Mosley, Dante Hightower, who get paid a lot of money and they're basically surrendering that money for this year to protect their families, to take care of their health uh, and others. Um, and you have to admire that. You can't criticize any player who decides to opt out because if anything, they are doing the exact opposite of what someone who is selfish or someone uh, or what someone says. For example, Trey White, who we all love, former LSU guy, great Buffalo Bills cornerback, tweeted that people were calling him selfish for considering opting out. What he'd be doing would be anything but selfish because a guy like Tredavious White would make a great amount of money uh, on his next contract. And guess what? Him sitting out would only delay that extension. So I think any fan frustrated with players opting out has to take a different approach, understand they're giving up a lot to make sure that they they stay healthy, that their families stay healthy. Um, and there's a lot of honor in that, in my opinion. So without further ado, joining me now on the podcast is former Saints fullback Jed Collins. How are you, Jed? Oh, thanks. are good, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for hopping on the podcast. I truly appreciate it, man. So uh, I wanted to ask you real quick because obviously as someone who, you know, I grew up watching the Saints for over like two decades now. And, um, you know, when I first saw you, I'm thinking about Jed Collins, the fullback, you know, and what you were able to do for all those great Saints teams like the 2011 team. What inspired you to just make that jump from the NFL to the financial world? Truly, my journey began while I was down in New Orleans. Uh, you, you begin to get those paychecks as a professional athlete. And most people are left with more questions than answers. And I was in that group. I, I had no idea about money. And so I turned to my brothers who were very highly educated. One was getting a master's at, at Berkeley. The other was getting a law degree at Harvard. And I began asking them questions. You know, what, what is the big dumb jock brother supposed to do with this money? And they had no answers either. And as I continued down that search, it became clearer and clearer to me that most people don't know what to do about money. And so I started studying personal finances each off season. Uh, I'd bring books, you know, as I would go on trips during the season. And eventually a mentor challenged me to get my certification of financial planning, which I began each off season down in New Orleans. So I made the jump, you know, out of fear, first off, knowing what was going to happen to my physical body from the game of football and out of fear of not being able to have anything to show for it. 
Absolutely. So I, I want to ask you, Jed, because you mentioned about not knowing what to do with that money. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of rookies that are entering the NFL, and this year now more than ever because of the uncertainty with, with COVID-19 and what's going on financially for all these sports leagues. What do you think would be, I know this might be tough, what would be your top advice to give to rookies signing their first deal with these teams and kind of entering this world of unknown? Uh, great question. Um, you know, my the, the financial literacy side of me goes to educate yourself. Um, start to find people that you can trust. Start to find books, you know, similar to the one I wrote that will teach you in a language you'll understand how money works. Um, the uncertainty right now is at, at, a, at a higher stage States, but truly, as a rookie, your your career each year is very uncertain, um, and so I would approach it the same way. I would be very strategic in what I want from the game, because as any good journey, we always begin with the end in mind. That's professionally, personally, financially, anything. So, what do I want to look at the game? You know, two, four, or ten years down the road, and say it gave me. Um, and then backing into a strategy on how to, to achieve that, setting aside a certain amount of every check you have, uh, making sure you are still impacting the people and the communities that you have, you feel called to help. But just like a, you know, being in turbulence on a, on an airplane, they tell you to put your mask on first. And, I, when I get to talk to rookies or teams in the NFL, I always say 30% goes to 30-year-old you. And if you can take 30% of that first paycheck and everyone that comes throughout the season and put it towards 30-year-old you, you're going to leave yourself in a very good situation. So I want to ask you, because this is more of a recent thing now with, with players opting out because of health concerns, the NFL is handing out $150,000 stipends to people who are not high risk, and then I believe it's 350000 for those that are high risk. Um, for you personally, how do you think that would change the whole uh, financial game plan there for a player? Because obviously 150000 is way less than what, um, for example, a guy like C.J. Mosley who makes $15 million plus with the Jets gets. Like, How do you, as a player, how would you manage that type of situation? if you were in their shoes. So this is a great point of clarification. The NFL is not handing out stipends. The NFL is giving uh, future contract uh, kind of advances. So that $150,000 will come out of your contract next year when and if you make it onto the team. As a rookie, and if you were more Jed Collins type of player and it wasn't certain that you were going to be on the team this next year, that loan may come back to haunt you and they may charge interest on it or have a variety of different ways of handling it. So the NFL has done a great job marketing this, this kind of olive branch that they are extending to players, but truly it is a cash advance. It is not a, a gift by, by any means where I look at it from a financial perspective and, and players who have the bigger contracts, you have to be able to, to frame it around a business and this is a neat environment where the modern day athlete is starting to see things more from a business perspective. This situation in particular is forcing them to do so. So part of the NFL contracting says, if you don't opt out, if you play, go through training camp, get to week one and season gets canceled, 
we have contingency plans uh, X, Y, and Z for different scenarios. None of them equipped to you making that five, 10, whatever million dollar contract. It is all taking a lesser pay. And this year's contract is null and void. Now, if you do opt out, your contract tolls or pushes to next year. So if I was scheduled to make $5 billion this year and I opt out, my contract picks back up next year at that $5 million range, which for a lot of guys, they're saying, why would I risk it? You know, we don't have any idea what's going to happen over the next six months. I have a pretty good contract. I have been financially stable uh, enough to get me through this season on that lower stipend or that lower loan. I'm going to push my contract out a year and trust that next year I'll come back and earn what I, I'm due to earn. Um, so I would, I would challenge people who do have the leverage and in any negotiation you get what you have the leverage to negotiate. I would challenge them to look at it as a business decision. The uncertainty being the primary factor. Can I push this out of season? A player like myself, I don't have leverage. I have to go to work any means necessary. And if there is a job, you know, you line up and you take that job. So um, two different situations, two different scenarios. But I, I do love to point out the kind of financial education part of what is happening around that hundred and fifty and three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to ask you about that. Actually, you mentioned for your sake, obviously, you, you got to go to work. Um, do you think the NFL, I think, honestly, I can't say because I don't know the amount of resources they put into it. But do you think this is the type of company that hypothetically, if they could uh, afford to let these guys who, let's say, are special teams players and really need the work, but at the same time, don't want to enter that, that you know, state of uncertainty. Do you think they have the resources to do what is probably the, the much more generous thing to do would be giving out $150,000 instead taking a cash advance like you mentioned? Um, you know, the NFL is a multi-mega billion dollar business. Yes, they have resources. Now, it's going to be seen this year how powerful the game is why you see college players forming unions is we're realizing how big these businesses have become. They are all, are all still reliant on the players going out on the field. The NFL is this mega billion dollar industry, but it is required that players step out on the field and put forth a performance and a product. Um, so you're starting to see the power that they have that if they can, you know, have a consistent voice can, can flex upon, the NFL is also a business. They're not in it to hand out or give money away. Um, and do I think that they are responsible for players, you know, over this next year or two? No. The, what makes the NFL pure and amazing is it's a pay-for-play product. You know, if you are not producing, you're not on the field and you're not getting a paycheck. So I, I don't hold the NFL responsible for kind of, you know, lifting the, the group of players through this next year because their contracts have all been null and void if there is no product to go on television. And we all know that TV rights are, you know, the grease that is cooking this, this meal. So um, it is a difficult, difficult, challenging situation. And it's a microcosm of what's happening in our society as, as a, a whole. But yes, they may have the resources, but no, I don't think that they should be, uh, obligated to to do so 
Absolutely. So I, I want to ask you about your money vehicle and, and not just the inspiration, but I, I'm going to tell you personally from my experiences going through school, um, I, I actually didn't learn much about finance during college. I actually learned <laughs> about a, a little bit in high school and looking back at it when I was looking at your money vehicle, I'm like in my head, you know, I wish colleges almost made it an obligation to go through a couple of finance courses, not in high school when, you know, you're just a teenager who's just trying to figure out who you are and not figure out, uh, you know, how to pay your bills and do all that because you're not ready for that stage. But um, so what did inspire you and how do you feel about the education system now, just strictly from a financial education standpoint? Brother, you put the, you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, I looked at it and I said, I was an accounting major in college. I was in the business school. I got a great business degree. You give me XYZ company and a hundred thousand widgets. I can, I can formulate some things, but there was no personal finance course. There was no explanation. There was no ABCs of how to do this. And that's what really drove me to creating your money vehicle. And this passion of mine is to help people better understand it. I think I actually just got off a phone call with the professor at UCLA who is also interested in this. And I think I'm in a unique situation. Having the NFL background is an interesting story. Having my certification in financial planning gives me that expertise. But my true kind of vision is telling stories, telling tangible, understandable analogies to truly get you to comprehend this foreign language. It is not rocket science. It is just a subject that nobody has sat you down and taken you through. Um, so Money Vehicle was designed to say, if I was starting from scratch, what are the first 10 topics and 10 questions I will have to answer? And are we going to go beyond this? Absolutely. This is level one. I've already got level two drafted and level three on the horizon. But this course is built to say, I want you to ask those questions. We are going to answer them. There are exercises, but most importantly, there are actions to take because the difference between financial education and financial empowerment is the confidence to go and act upon the things we're going to be discussing. So money vehicle, my dream, my vision is with the video course and with the book that it can go to every college campus. It can go to every high school. It can go to groups of people young professionals aged, you know, 16 to 25 that are saying, I, I'm waking to this reality of the, the coronavirus pandemic. I realize finances is going to be a big part of my future, my world. And if I'm not taking care of future me, nobody else is. And so this is a book that can really help a lot of people get started down that path of answering the beginning questions. Yeah, and that's great. And I think honestly, if if we can get especially the college um, group there to just start realizing how important personal finance is, I think that would really help. Because uh, a lot of us enter that state where you know once we finish college, we're we're sitting there and we are starting to get paid, but we don't know what exactly to do with this money. Um, so the fact that you are on this mission is absolutely fantastic. Now, Jed, I have to ask you a couple of questions about the Saints because I feel like I'd be jipping out my fan base here if I didn't ask, but. I want to go back to that 2011 team because there's a lot of Saints teams that were, you know, the, the way the season ended, people were heartbroken. I think that one might be up there with just about any of them because oh, yeah. you guys were so good. Um, and that yeah. 49ers game, if you guys, and I know we don't like to live in hypothetical worlds here, but if you guys did end up beating the 49ers, did you guys feel like that was the Super Bowl year for you? And, and up until walking off the field, 
it still didn't feel real. We there, we play that game ten times. We win the other nine. Um, we absolutely felt like a Super Bowl team. We win that game. We host the New York Giants, who we beat by forty back in the in the uh, Superdome. So, yes, that felt like a Super Bowl team. We ran into a bunch of fluke situations and scenarios that just you know was our Achilles heel. The first drive of the game. We are running as a well-oiled machine, best offense of all time, and Pierre Thomas gets knocked out cold, fumbles on the goal line, they get the ball back, but more importantly, we lose Pierre. And then Darren goes down in the same game. And so we quickly go from a stable of running backs to just having Chris Ivory, just having one, who Chris is a phenomenal player, but he wasn't Darren and he wasn't Pierre, and so our playbook had to adapt and change. And it was just an interesting sequence, and that's the beauty of sports. That game, that that team will always be a what-if kind of scenario. And, I mean, the Saints have had plenty of those, as you mentioned. But, yeah, we felt with that offensive dynamic, it was the first time Darren Sproles was in the offense, first time Jimmy Graham was truly a major focus, first time a fullback like me was in the offense, that, we had so many in our arsenal that nobody would stop us. And apparently the only thing that could stop us was losing some pivotal pieces um, and running into a very good San Francisco team. Yeah. uh, Look uh, to this day, I will forever be heartbroken by that Alex Smith game winning touchdown pass. Now uh, I got to ask you about uh, your former teammate, your former quarterback, do you ever sit there and just watch the Saints and go like, I don't understand how Drew Brees is still doing this at forty-one? Like, does it? Or do you guys ever just sit back in, in amazement and be like, you know, this guy's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He might not be the best, but he's still, by many standards, a top-five quarterback in the league. And the fact that he's doing it two decades in, uh, what are your thoughts about Drew and this upcoming season for uh, for number nine? So, am I surprised? Not at all. I got to work with next to Drew for four years. And truly, he's the most habitual person I've ever been around. And I loved and stole as much as I could from him um, in every aspect of life. I, you know, I translate some of the routines I learned from him into finances. Uh, I always tell people Drew's twice the man he is, a football player, and he's ten times the leader. You know, a guy who will quote philosophies or John Wooden to you while you're training and working out is just a different kind of cat. Um, so the fact that he's still doing it after all this time doesn't surprise me because I know the processes. I know the systems. I know which day of the week it is, what he's going to be doing, and at what time. That's just who he is, and that's produced the results he has. So I love sitting back and watching him perform. I miss you know, the energy and the excitement of, of being next to it. But when you all get the, the full good fortune to be you know, five feet from, from greatness, you try to absorb as much as you can from it. And the reality is Drew is exactly where he is because Drew really dives into the boredom. He understands the meticulous nature of showing up every day and realizes that most people won't do it. And what a lot of people just don't accept is that greatness is boring. Greatness is that Tuesday morning watching film. It's that Friday getting up and getting your lift in. It's that Saturday, you know, saying no to something you're eating because you don't want to be different on Sunday. And it is all those decisions over and over and over that most people can't do and he's been able to do 
and it's why he's going to be one of the best of all time. Yeah, I remember, I think it might have been a Jay Glazer interview with Drew Brees, but he said, hey, you know, trying to be great is lonely at times. And I can see with the way you described it with with constant meetings and such um, and watching film, it definitely fits the description there. My last question for you, Jed, uh, I want to ask you, obviously you've done so much now in the financial world and you're continue to, you know, you're building upon all that success. What is that next step for you? Is it another book? Is it, you know, going into that college world that I, we discussed before about teaching personal finance? What's that next step for you? So I just launched a virtual financial literacy program. Oddly enough, this fall, a lot of people are going to be at home. And this is an at-home financial literacy course. Uh, it follows the, the Your Money Vehicle book, but now it's 35 videos. I realize our world today is becoming much more video-centric. Most people will not sit down and read the book. So I want to deliver the content in a way that most people will understand it. These are five-minute videos. You're going to get to see some entertainment. I put on different characters, and it's truly uh, an attempt to build that course that everybody has said we've needed for 30-plus years. Where is the video course that is going to entertain and engage me and allow me to build out the beginning of my plan? Your Money Vehicle has created it, and I would challenge you to go to yourmoneyvehicle.com forward slash drive because you need to start driving your money vehicle. Um, and that is where the, the vision has taken me. Level two is on the horizon. I actually love the idea of where we're going to go next. But right now, we have groups of students this summer who have gone through it. We're going to be on college campuses. We are open and willing to put it anywhere. So if you have audience who has interest, I know in a lot of New Orleans areas, we've talked about putting it around there, teaming up with Thomas Morstead and uh, putting it in some of the schools down there. So if you are interested in a course that could possibly change your life from a financial perspective by getting you started in your financial journey to freedom, uh, yourmoneyvehicle.com forward slash drive will take you to it. Yeah, that's amazing. And and Jed, I will make sure to put that on blast too. When I post everything, I'll leave the links there for people to look and see if it's a course that they're interested in taking. But it sounds great um, in my honest opinion. So thank you so much, Jed, for taking the time to do this. I appreciate all the advice you've given both financially and on the football field. Um, and I look forward to see the next steps of your chapter in this financial aspect. Appreciate what you're doing. Thank you for the opportunity. And always, who that? Once again, that was former Saints fullback Jed Collins, who, if you haven't already, like he said, it's his book, Your Money Vehicle, check it out. Um, And I agree, and I I was telling him it's the truth. I mean, when you're a younger person in high school, you're you're taking a finance class, you really have no, I'm not going to say no care, but... It's not a matter of concern for you because at that age, you're not really sure. Um, And looking back at it now, the education system doesn't do enough financially uh, and teaching us what to do with our money that I think it's important to hear from a guy like Jed. And I think the great thing about what Jed's doing is not only is he giving you a different aspect from a guy who's made that transition from NFL athlete to financial advisor, financial educator, he actually helps out rookies, younger NFL players who need that guidance that he didn't have. He had to go out and teach himself about it, and now he's using his resources, his knowledge to teach the younger generation. You can't do anything but admire that. Um, Like Jed said, go to his website, check it out. He's got virtual courses to offer, Um, and I think there's no better time, actually, to apply for a virtual course and take one than now because we really... Look, I'll be honest with you guys. I don't know everyone's state and what they're doing uh, and, and what their profession is and how they're going about it. But for me, with work, with the work with the spun, work with the podcast, all that, 
is from home right now. And, and I'm probably going to be home for the foreseeable future because we're, we're so much uncertainty. Uh, we're still not back to normal. People can say we are, but we're not. Um, and because of that, you're at home, so you find new hobbies to do. You find new things to pick up, um, and that's why you always got to try and keep yourself busy and keep yourself uh, improving, and I think this is one way of doing it. So check that out if you guys want. I really appreciate Jed coming on. Uh, I think we could all agree that 2011 Saints team was virtually unstoppable, and I, I do agree with what Jed had to say. You play the Niners 10 times, they probably, the Saints win the majority of the time. It just so happens the ball didn't bounce in their favor. They had the injuries happen to Pierre Thomas earlier in the game couple of turnovers here and there and it happens it catches up with you and it's disappointing but at the same time you understand it that is the beauty of football uh now before i end this podcast i, w- I really quickly want to touch one subject that i was talking about on twitter earlier this week and i can't believe i have to say it again but the saints released their pictures for the upcoming season the team photos official photos they looked pretty neat and drew breezes came out and the immediate thing people did was look down at his feet and you'd wonder why it's because he was wearing uh, Nike sneakers that celebrate Black History Month. Now, obviously, this is not Black History Month, but one, the sneakers were pretty neat. And two, there is nothing wrong with that gesture from Breeze. But of course, on Twitter, I wake up this morning and what do I see? Nasty reply after nasty reply, uh, accusing him of Marxism, accusing him of bowing the knee. All I'm going to say for those people who do send it, and I'm assuming the people who listen to my podcast are not those people who send me those nasty replies, I'm not going to reply to those messages. I will never reply to those messages because, frankly, they're stupid, they're ignorant, and I got better things to do than reply to a guy whose name is like John247865 and has an American flag as his Twitter avatar. You know, I don't have time for that shit. Um, If I did, I'd probably come up with some good jokes, but I don't, guys, so uh, I ignore them. But it's something I really wanted to touch upon because I think this whole Drew Brees thing needs to stop because we got fans who are, you know, shitting on the guy now, and in a month from now, when the Saints are playing the Bucks, if Drew Brees plays well, you know they're going to be saying he's the GOAT, not Tom Brady. So let's either stick to one side or just admit you were wrong, admit you're ignorant, and then go back to celebrating Drew in September because that's where we're probably heading towards Anyway, but anyway, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. I want to thank you very much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Jed and enjoy what he had to say. It was a little different twist. You know, it wasn't about your stories on the football field. It's more so what you learned off the football field, and there's no better year to learn it than this one because 2020, frankly, has been an absolute roller coaster of emotions. But thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Rate it on iTunes. Subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, until then, I will speak to you guys sometime next week. Go Saints, who dat, and enjoy all the updates coming out of training camp.